Heart of the matter. This is in Salt Lake City, Utah. We welcome you. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you want to watch uh, this show live on the computer, if you have family or friends who want to do that, go to www.bornagainmormon.com, click on the TV shows, and then it will say watch live. Click on that, wait for a minute, and uh, my face should show up, and anybody can watch that anywhere in the world. Some shout-outs tonight, AAA, Doreen and Amy, Ralph N., thanks for the laundry list of items uh, Joseph Smith uh, did. It was a great email. I appreciate it. Very interesting. Derek Shule, thanks for the reading material, my brother. Uh, our most faithful viewer, Michelle E., God bless you. Maria, our most faithful viewer online. And Greg S., Winter B., Trudy F., and Kenny K., love ya. Also, we have a shout-out to Tim, who came to know the Lord uh, by watching the show out of Payson. Tim, God bless you. And also, uh, a shout-out to Ernie, who's a Christian, who is struggling. And uh, we want you to know our prayers are with you. You're part of our prayer uh, support uh, page on the website. And uh, our prayers are with you, my brother. Tonight, in-house, we have a large group. Jeremy, Nicole, Eric, Micah, Cambria, Nathan, Kevin, Sally, Andy, Kevin B, Lydia, Destiny, Kyle, Levi, Nick, Wayne, Reed. And that is it uh, on the list, and we're grateful for them. Tonight's going to be a little bit of an eclectic, different show, so my apologies in advance. Uh, Living Hope Ministries came out with a DVD called Lifting the Veil of Polygamy. I watched that. You can go to their website at www.lhvm.com. I want you to know that that video, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, is awesome. It is a fantastic tool. It is a great tool because it not only shows you polygamy in its true light, it shows you its after effects, it shows you the inconsistencies present-day Mormonism has regarding polygamy, and it's a great message for people who were once in polygamy or in Mormonism, came out and came to know the Lord. So it's a great testimony, and uh, I highly recommend it. That's Living Hope Ministries, www.lhvm.com. A big couple of weeks coming up. I'm sorry, some self-serving commercials here, but uh, I've got to give them to you. Next Sunday, not this, this Sunday, but next uh, July 8th at 3 p.m. We're doing our second annual Heart in the Park. And uh, we're going to have the Rounders out of Los Angeles, a fantastic 
band different than what you've ever seen, I'll bet, when it comes to Christian music. The McCade Sisters, um, a Park City group, and the Tritones right here out of Salt Lake City, a great jazz band, are also going to come and play for us. We have established a great big bounce house for the kids, an open mic, a Q&A. We'll have books for sale. We'll have Howdy Partner t-shirts, which I know you're dying to get your body into one of those. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So we hope that you can join us on July 8th, Sunday, Sugar House Park. That's in Salt Lake City. You can Google it. And uh, three to whenever. Bring your own food. Christians, atheists, LDS, pagans, Buddhists. Just no assassins, just like last year. Assassins are not permitted. We will personally kick you out if you're an assassin. So we'll go from there. Then the following Sunday, we are going to launch Lord's Word, a Christian triage for the religiously disaffected. And what it is, it's a, not a traditional church, but it's a living place to come worship, pray, study the Word verse by verse, and walk away after an hour. There will be uh, uh, child care if you show up from 9.15 to 10.15 at the Gateway Theaters. That's on Sunday, July 15th. And uh, we're not going to try to entertain you or satisfy your senses. Uh, we're not going to ply you with modified worldliness. We're just going to get into the Word, some worship, and uh, corporate prayer. So all are invited. Gateway Theaters in Salt Lake City, 9.15 to 10.15. And uh, bring your own coffee and other morning stimulants if you need them. We're not going to provide them. And uh, just so that we can hear your complaints about not providing them like all the other churches do. And uh, then we can go. Tonight after the show, join us at Squatter's Pub in downtown Salt Lake City on 3rd South. I think the, there's a graphic up there on your screen. It's a great time for all. We have 30 to 40 people usually every Tuesday night. And many who arrive as strangers but leave as friends. It's a great place uh, for people to uh, talk, uh, talk about the Lord, commiserate, argue, whatever they want to do, they do it, and it's, it's a great time. So we, we invite you to come on down. And just to let you know, uh, again, Squatter's Pub is a family restaurant that serves beer. It is not, not a club where you have to be a member or any of that stuff. You walk in, there's kids there, the whole thing. So we hope you can do it. Now and then we get a request. This is an email from Bradley who says, Sean, can you recommend some books on this subject uh, about Mormonism? And so let me give you some of my favorite books. Get a pen and paper. If you want to hear, read some books that will help you understand real well Mormonism from Mormon authors and non, try these. You ready? Dan Vogel's books. I love Dan Vogel's writing. Indian Origins in the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith, The Making of a Prophet. Early Mormon Documents, Volumes 1 or Volume 2. Okay, that's Dan Vogel. Uh, Exiles in the Land of Liberty by Kenneth Wynn. Excellent book. Michael Marquardt's works, which I cite in our book, uh, Born Again Mormon. Uh, the Joseph Smith Revelations, uh, Inventing Mormonism, and the Book of Abraham Revisited. Those are Michael Marquardt's uh, books. Uh, D. Michael Quinn, Early Mormonism and the Magic World View. And uh, The Mormon Hierarchy, Origins of Power, and Extensions of Power are all excellent books by D. Michael Quinn. In Sacred Loneliness by Todd Compton is all about Joseph Smith's wives. Uh, I'm almost through that now because we're going to begin talking about polygamy, not next week, but the following. And we're going to go through the origin all the way through, and it's going to blow your mind. I can't wait for that. Grant Palmer's An Insider's View of Mormon Origins. 
Richard Bushman's Rough Stone Rolling, and of course, you can't skip Fawn Brody's No Man Knows My History. Uh, it's an, those are all excellent reads. I highly recommend them. I doubt any of them are perfect, but they really strive to give you a, a pretty good view of what has happened and what continues to happen. Andy's movie, Christian Reviews, you can go on our website if you're looking for something to rent or see. Andy, Andy is an actor in uh, San Francisco who's a very good friend of mine. And uh, this week, because he loves uh, family movies, if you want to rent the long, long trailer, that is Andy's recommendation, the long, long trailer. You can go to the website and find that. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for this airtime. We pray that you'll be with our viewers, with our audience, with the people who are running the cameras behind the, sta uh, the stage and the scenes. And uh, we just love you. And we thank you for uh, the knowledge we have of your son in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We concluded last week with a final discussion on the Pearl of Great Price. I was hard on Joseph Smith for attempting to pull this off as legitimate scripture. I was direct with Gordon B. Hinckley and the Brethren by telling them to admit to the membership that the Book of Abraham is nothing but fiction, and this would allow them to free up the many members who are uh, believing in this type of thing. We're now sitting somewhere in LDS church history between 1835, 1834, 1835. Uh, the Book of Mormon has been published. The church has been founded and then relocated. The Doctrine and Covenants has been accepted and is being added upon as Joseph receives revelations. Uh, the Pearl of Great Price is under highly questionable construction. The saints have been established now in Kirtland, Ohio, and also in Missouri. Next week, we're going to do a little backup history, talk about Sidney Rigdon, and that's going to introduce us into the probable first marriage, polygamous marriage, that Joseph Smith had, which happened in about 18... Uh, 31 to 33 to 34, we aren't sure. And I'm going to take that out and then we'll go back and, and cover some things in that way. Tonight is going to be our third respite of the year, meaning I'm not going to talk about church history. I'm just going to talk about some things that have come up, uh, emails and uh, stuff like that, and kind of a house cleaning, and we'll go from there. When we started this ministry in 2003, there was a general cry that was heard from the counter-cult ministries, that's groups who uh, go after Mormonism in a certain way, that born-again Mormon, the ministry that I'm behind, or Sean McCraney, was somewhere between being off to being uh, the child of the devil. And these counter-cult ministries came out very strongly against us because they didn't like our methods. Over the past year, many of these once unfair and very myopic uh, counter-cult ministries have changed. Last week, a good brother that I know informed me that one of the local counter-cult ministries has said that I am now officially an anti-Mormon and just welcome as, as, as good Swiss cheese into their ranks. And I want to state right here and now that everything that was in question about our ministry to begin with Everything that made the countercult ministry say that we are off in our methods, in the name of our website, in the name of our book, every single thing remains the same. Born again Mormon remains born again Mormon. Uh, it means that we still maintain that a Latter-day Saint can be saved. I maintain that and stand by it. I maintain and stand by the fact that a person can be a Latter-day Saint and be saved, and listen closely, and can stay LDS, okay? Do you like that? I don't care if you like it or not. Because I know it's a fact. 
we have to get over these little dividers that we love to put up so that we can point the finger at other people and say, you, you need to do this, you need to do that. We're not going to do that. Our ministry won't do it. I know Latter-day Saints who know the Lord. They stay in for who knows what reasons. I don't know, but they do. And I am not going to question their salvation. So if you think I'm coming over to the anti-Mormon side, you've got it completely wrong. And I stand for the same things we have always stood for. It doesn't mean we will ever use the pejorative word cult. You'll never hear us use the word cult and assign it to the LDS church. And it means that we detest the tactics of street preachers outside of general conference and other LDS gathering places who are out there cramming people, stuff into people's hands and telling them that they're going to hell and holding garments up. I, I hate that stuff. So all of the things that we stood for initially in our ministry, I still stand by. Nothing has changed. I didn't want to join your ranks then, and I certainly don't want to join them now. All right? We believe that hair-splitting dialogue and name-calling and endless examinations of people's motives is tiresome, and it doesn't bring people to God. We believe there are Mormons who are saved and confirmed Christians, and we believe that many in the worldwide Christian church are off, as off-doctrinally as there are Mormons. All right? But we have learned that we have to approach things in a certain way on this show. We learned in the first few months and weeks of doing this show that we would have Latter-day Saints call and say, oh, we agree, we are all Christians and everything's good. The emails, we love what you're doing. We know that we all uh, worship the same Jesus. And we realized then that maybe our methods weren't getting the point across that doctrinally Mormonism is a, is a joke. Doctrinally, it is a joke. Mormon people, different thing. They have to come to their own conclusions regarding their relationship with the Lord and if they're born again. But doctrinally, the church needs to be revisited and revised. So we understood that while we were being kind to the Mormon people on the show, we were also being interpreted by Mormon people as we're all the same and everybody's Christian. That's just not true. And you've heard my comments about Bob Millett and how he does not preach the traditional LDS doctrines and gospels. So it's a fine line. Because we come out strongly against Mormon doctrine on this show does not mean we are anti-Mormon. It means that we demand the LDS Church, Gordon B. Hinckley and the Brethren, examine these doctrines like the Pearl of Great Price. Come on. I mean, how much do you have to say about that book for you guys to just be fair and renounce it? How, what do you have to say for you guys to be fair and renounce polygamy in any way, shape, or form? have nothing to do with section 132. Why can't you just stand up and tell your people that? Free them from this garbage theology that does nothing but warp their mind and take them further away from knowing Jesus than they already are because of everything else you're demanding of them. So, yes, we have changed our ways here on the show, but no, our methodologies are really no uh, different. Now, I, switching a little bit, in some ways, I want to say that I love certain words, and I bet you do too. There are probably words that you have in your life that are favorite words of yours. Some of my favorite words are, I love the word memory. I love that word. I've always loved memory. I love remember. Those are two words for some reason I have always liked, even as a little kid. I love Yeshua. I love the, 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 the Hebrew name of the, of the Savior, Yeshua. I've always loved that. And I love the word freedom and liberty. And um, 
uh, unencumbered. I love those words. And then because there's words I love, there's words I hate. And there's probably words that you hate too. Think about the words that you despise. I hate what these words are, most importantly because of what they mean, not necessarily because of their sound. I hate the word bondage and the word captive. I hate the word imprisoned or captivity or enslaved. Those words, I'm gonna say tick me, tick me off to no end. I can't stand them. There are so many things in this world that take us and captivate us and enslave us. And uh, I'm against them completely. I'm against anything that puts me into bondage. Now, we know that there's negative captors in this life, don't we? We know that there's drugs and illicit sex and pornography and overeating and, uh, and uh, fanaticism and anything that's of the flesh, we know of those things. And we're always warned against getting involved in those things. I hate drugs, not because of the effects they have on people. You know, some drugs are very useful, but I hate drugs that are addictive and that are abused because they take people and they rob them of their freedom. They rob them of their ability to choose and be free. Drugs are a nightmare to me. I don't drink alcohol simply because we have alcoholics all through our family tree. I would drink it readily right here on the show. If we didn't have it, I wouldn't care, but it might stumble you and you might have a problem with it and that would hurt your freedom. So it, taking everything in the context, which the Bible teaches us, we gotta be careful and we gotta use wisdom, right? We know what sin does to good-hearted people. John 8, 34, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whomsoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You are a slave to sin. And that is something that Jesus can free us from. But there are also captors in this life that appear very good. They seem to be very beneficial and very benevolent, and they're worthy things to be involved in. But they are merely different prisons for people to get involved in. There's corporate cultures and climbing the corporate ladders. There's clubs and groups and associations. There's religious allegiances that people get involved in, legalistic systems that makes them captive. It puts them in bondage to what those systems and what the people in those systems demand of everybody else. Some people are even captive in their marriages and in their relationships with their families. This is not easy stuff to hear, but it's true. I hate them all because they capture people's freedom. There are people who are a slave to religion and they don't even know that they're a slave because they've been in the religion their entire life. They believe they're free, but in reality, they are in bondage. They're in chains. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We have the law, which was impossible to be kept. Nobody could keep the law but Jesus. And when he kept it perfectly, he overcame it. And now he affords us something called grace and truth. All right? The only way a person can truly be free to truly have liberty in this life is through Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. There is no other freedom. I'm telling you now. Believe it, test it, do what you want. There are a lot of counterfeits, but they all in the end will exact a price of you. They are not free. They are not grace. They will exact conformity. You conform or you'll be cast out. You comply, do this, or else you don't fit. Jesus gives grace and love and truth because he is the truth. 
In Isaiah 61, uh, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Talking about Jesus. He that hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to pro proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. This was the role, this was a prophetic utterance of Jesus and what he came to do, to release you from being bound and chained and imprisoned in whatever this world offers you. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And what is he talking about? The truth, capital T, Jesus. He sets you free. Did he say, did John say, or did Jesus say, it's a religion that will set you free? Did it say that it's a system or a theology? Did it say attending a temple? Did it say being strictly obedient that will set you free? It's not. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've tested it in every way possible myself. I think in every way possible. There's no freedom out there. Philosophies, come to squatters, we'll talk endlessly on philosophy. Doesn't set you free. Captivates you. Things of this world, forget it. Jesus, religion, forget it. Jesus sets you free. He said, I am the way. I, 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 talking about himself. I am the way, the truth, capital T, and the life. All right? Our ministry is calling out to all those people, whether they know they're in bondage or not, who are in bondage to religion in this state. All right? Specifically, because this state religion, the predominant religion of the state, teaches that they are the only way to God. And if you buy into that as a young child or a young adult or an adult, and they're the only way, then you have to conform to what they say you must do in order to have peace with Him. That's a religion getting involved, and that puts people in bondage. And what happens to those people who can't follow those ways? What happens to those people who are addicted to things? What happens to those people who don't believe Joseph's stories? They're in bondage mentally and spiritually to this church, but they wander the streets because there's nowhere else to go. This is why we do the show. This is why we teach Jesus over everything else. And we use your doctrines to show you it's leading you from him. It's not taking you to him. He is calling to you to have a relationship for you to go to him and for you to plead for forgiveness and a relationship with him. And when you do that, I promise you, if you do it with a real heart that you love the Lord and you want him to take over your life, he'll change you so radically, you'll walk from religion and you'll start worshiping him in spirit and in truth. To the brethren of the LDS church, I'm gonna say shame on you. Shame on you that you have an institution where you will let people, because they can't conform to your rules, wander around thinking that God was not going to have anything to do with them in the future, that they won't be able to live with God again if they don't go to those temples and pay their 10% and dress the way you want them to dress. I got an email that sparked this. It's from Elaine. This is what the email said. Sean, I think the LDS church is weak structurally. No accountability at the top. Secrecy. No financial accountability, which is required by law. Where the money goes is not disclosed. Can't associate with an apostate in the church. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Uh, they are, have dietary laws. Why? They believe in a prophet, even if he contradicts another prophet. They must be moral. Are they moral? They all dress alike. There's no room for individuality. No questioning allowed. All missionaries say the same thing and must say the same thing. Never question authority directly. 
Their vault containing historical documents should be open. They get to vote for no one uh, uh, that they want to. They are told where to go to church. Their own church parameters are directed to them. If this is an imprisonment, I don't know what is. You know, relationship with the Lord will allow you to miss church for a month or a year, and you know that that relationship is there. Once you are His, He doesn't let you go. I know I'm on a soapbox tonight, but this is the thing that drove us to, do, to write the book, to establish the website, to have the show, to help you understand that a relationship with Christ is liberating, and everything else is, is just a light, as the commercial went. All right. Uh, Let's go to an email from Jared. Sean, your purpose in doing what you are doing became clear when you announced that you are starting your own religion. Uh, you are just another strangeite among the many. Strangeite was a guy named, I think, William Strange, who started a church uh, from the Mormon church. It was an offshoot. Good luck leading the people astray. Well, Jared, if I lead the people astray telling them to follow Jesus and to read his word, then let me burn in hell. Let me, if God doesn't like people being led to his son and reading the word and trying to understand it, let me burn in hell, okay? And you can go wherever you're going, but you've got the totally wrong idea. All right, we are planning Lord's Word Church for the reasons we said. Uh, other email, this was interesting, from Paul. If I am born again and all my sins are eliminated, and then I go out and make big mistakes and have lots of fun with my neighbor's wife, twister or something, what happens to me? Am I still saved? Well, Paul, uh, this is what happens. It's, we've talked about this before. You become born again. You're cleansed from your sin, past, present, and future. Jesus paid for sins that you're going to do down the road, didn't he? And what happens is you're changing your spirit and you're given the power and the ability and the desire to not go with your neighbor's wife. And let's say that you make a mistake and you fall into sin, and you realize quickly because of the Holy Spirit what you've done, you repent and you move forward, then that's what the process is. You're a babe in Christ, babies make mistakes, you'll make some mistakes, and then you grow in Christ, and you become a mature follower of Christ, and you stop making those mistakes, and you grow. That's what the process is, and so uh, once you have been born again, you're going to sin, but your sin propensity will be less and less and less. Uh, let's go to the next question. James says, uh, he gives me a whole bunch of things about how uh, the Baha'i faith is a monotheistic religion. It acknowledges Jesus Christ as the Messiah and that I should check out the Baha'i faith. And then he adds this sentence. In the same way, I believe Baha'u'llah, this was a man who came in 1817, is the return of Christ in glory of the Father. So we have somebody who gives me a lot of pre, uh, pretext about how the Baha'i faith is a great faith and it believes in Jesus and it accepts Jesus. But then he includes that someone came in 1817 uh, by a certain name of Balahua and he is also Jesus who's returned. And so I just want you to know, James, that uh, that is not what the Bible teaches would happen. And that is what the text we use to get our understanding. If I didn't use this text, I might as well go with yours as anybody else's, but I do use this text and it doesn't, it just doesn't coincide. So I got to reject that one. Thomas says the, uh, the book, Joseph Smith begins his work volume two by Wilfred C. Wood contains 14 articles of faith. Number 11 was subsequently removed and number eight did not contain the words as far as the Bible is translated correctly. Good information from there. By the way, that 14th article of faith says, we believe in the literal raising of the body and that the dead in Christ will first rise 
and the rest of the dead will not live again until a thousand years are expired. That was the 14th article of faith. Thanks to Gwen and Ogden who sent that to me. Pamela says, someone told me the LDS actually believe in two saviors, Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith. Is that true? It's not true. They don't believe in two saviors. If you're talking about literally how we interpret a savior dying for us on the cross, but there is a lot of rhetoric that has gone on in the church where Joseph acted as somewhat of a savior because he restored the true gospel back to the earth. And because of him, we have an opportunity to be exalted. And he gave his life for it through martyrdom, which was actually just a, a shootout. And so, uh, in a, in a sense, I can see how people can get the idea that Joseph is sometimes put up as a savior. Latter-day Saints will adamantly say, no, that's not true, but they do lift him up. They do sing praise to the man, and he is lifted up in a way that he's provided us something that we could not get from anywhere else. So that's kind of a close second in my book. Um, I got a bill here for some reason. I wonder why I haven't paid that. And uh, let's see, one more. No, I think that's it. We're going to go to the phones. We're going to Ed in Lake Point. Ed, you're on Heart of the Matter. John. Hey. Hey, this is uh, Ted. Ted. I have a comment. I, I, was, uh, I was born in, uh, first of all, I love your show. I wish it was two hours long. But I, I'm a, I was a Mormon uh, priest, an ironic priesthood. They wanted to send me on a mission. I didn't do it. But, uh. What, I just was curious why you think Jesus wasn't another Joseph Smith, and don't you think that religion is going to be the demise of the human race? I mean, everybody hates a Jew except me. Every, Muslims hate everybody, including themselves. Catholics think Mormons are cults, and the Mormons are confused. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, could you comment on that, please? Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, it makes sense from your perspective. I understand it completely. If, I'm, uh, old. I'm old, and I've been around a long time, and yeah, I just you're you're amazing. You're you're you look past the you're smarter than most. I'm not. I'm a donkey, but but well, listen. I mean, listen. I, I think that your uh, your views, uh, having been LDS and looking at everything that goes on within religion, is right. But the problem is that I have with it is if you look at the Bible beginning to end, written by how many authors? Sixty some odd different authors who didn't know each other, spread across thousands of years of time, and I believe that it is whole. It testifies of him in the, in the pre, in the Old Testament. It verifies him in the new, and um, I, I, I think he's very different when you understand the word through the Holy Spirit than just an intellectual assessment of what religions believe are and proclaim. So, Okay, could you just like address one thing, and I'll, I'll let you go. I don't want to hold you up. Sure. Do you think religion is going to be the demise of the human race? I mean, seriously. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, to me, religion is evil. I, I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, just, just believe like me. Live and let live. And I don't care what somebody else says. What they believe is fine. I don't care. Do well, you, I mean, would you address that, please? Yeah, well, I think that religion is definitely a bane to society. I think that it does a lot of good. The example I give is that I was walking down a, a street in Los Angeles at 12 midnight, and seven guys were walking my way, and they were all dressed in dark clothes. I would hope that they all go to church versus don't believe in God. So I think that religion does play a good social benefit to our communities. 
The problem is, is when they become fanatical and when they become dogmatic and when they uh, exclude and when they say, you know, when they judge. Jesus didn't teach any of that. He taught that he is the way. We have to come to know him and we have to be reborn and then we will live by his spirit and the rest of the stuff isn't going to matter. And so I'm pretty, I'm, I'm with you on that in a sense, but I do think religion performs a good social benefit in like the L.A. example I just gave you. What's wrong with live and let live? I mean, seriously. Uh, there's nothing wrong with live and let live. Uh, it, there's, I mean, you're, you're, you have to do that, you know? Otherwise, we'd all be killing each other or making them do what we want them to do. So there's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing wrong with sharing your belief if it's something that is going to help another person either. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. We are going to Adris on line four. Adris, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, I'm here. You're on the air. Oh, I, I didn't know that I was on the air. I'm listening to your show. You're talking to someone else. Uh, you, got, you have a question, Adris? Yes, I um, wanted to say um, that I am born again, and I'm LDS, and thank you for letting the Christians, the loving Christians, know that LDS people are spiritual, they can be born again, they can be uh, saved just as any other Christian can be. I appreciate you just bringing it all together, making it one, so that we all can be one big Christian family, in the, which is the family of the Lord. Also, I'd like to mention, the Bible notes that um, the truth shall make you free, not set you free. It's two different words, two di different definitions. I'll have to check the Greek on that one, Adris. I, did, I, it, my, I think my, my version says set. Uh-oh, big problem. We'll check it out. Thanks for the call, sister. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Listen, uh, i got to clear this up really quick. Uh, I am not ecumenical at all. I don't believe in you know, one big, uh, happy, fat, happy church with everybody you know, doing whatever the heck they want. I believe the body of Christ is made up of believers. That's what the Bible teaches. There are believers who are Catholic. There are believers who are Baptists. There are believers who are Pentecostals. Yada, yada, yada. And you know, they are going to come together. They make up the body of Christ. Are there some LDS in that? I'm sure there are. I know there are. I've met, I've met them. But uh, it doesn't mean that Mormonism today should be embraced by the body of Christ as part of it. It is a cancer to the body of Christ if it were in it. Its doctrines are completely cancerous to the body of Christ. Let me make that perfectly clear. Just because I'm liberal in the way people are does not mean that I in any way stand with Mormonism. So at least we can cut off those emails that were just coming right now ready to be typed. All right, we're going to Donald in Salt Lake. Donald, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello? Hey, Donald, you're on the air. Okay, Sean? Yes. Oh, this is Don. I'm the guy, you know, that uh, I've talked to you before. You know, and I'm the one that you said that you ought to hit me in the side of the head, and I had a nice speaking voice, and I should be an announcer. Yes. Can I, I ask you a question? You can, Don. Well, I think you're not a bad-looking dude, but I don't like your beard, and I don't like your mustache. You kind of remind me a lot of my grandfather, who was a bishop back in the 1890s and 1900s. That's the purpose. Like That's the purpose, Don. It's I supposed to remind you of that. You know what I think would really be fun to have on your program? Hmm. Would to bring a spokesperson or a public relations person in from the LDS Church, and then bring someone in that would ask you a question, and then let him answer the same question. Don't you think that would be kind of fun, kind you, of interesting? You get me a public uh, relations person well, from no, the LDS Church. I couldn't do it. I, couldn't you invite somebody that... Uh, 
I've, I've, I've laid it out here on the show many times. I think that would really, really be an interesting well, program. Are you listening, you do that. Bring President Hinckley? A spokesperson or someone like H. David Burton, the presiding bishop, or place and right here for bring you. someone in, ask him a question, let him give his version, and then you give your version. I would love it. I, I invite it. I welcome It'd it. It'd be a fun, fun. The only problem is that you got to you got to understand, Don. Uh, for instance, there's a there's a very outspoken guy who the church lets go around, and his name is Bob Millet from BYU. Uh -huh. And when Bob Millet gets up and he talks about his version. It is not official version. It's Bob Millett's version. So we have to be careful that we don't just get someone who volunteers to come on and represent Mormonism. We need an official spokesman like you said. So again, I think that would really be exciting. There, there it is. We have a viewer who thinks you should come. President Hinckley, send one of your, of your uh, people. Oh, I wish they would. I think that would be one of the most exciting programs. I'm afraid that they would find my beard so attractive, though, that, that Gordon and everybody else would start wearing them, and then all cats and dogs living together, we'd have problems. So, you know, Sean, I enjoy your program. I think it's just great. And I also had a real nice talk with Amy, your secretary. Yeah, she's great, isn't she's she? She's wonderful. I just Before I called you, I had the nicest talk with her, and what a wonderful person she is. Yeah, well, thank you very much, well, I've enjoyed talking to you, but I think that would sure be a fun program if that could come about. Well, let's pray for that one. Okay, pal. God bless you. Thanks, Don. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. By the way, uh, something I neglected. If you are going to come to Heart in the Park, another shameless plug, and your church isn't going to be there representing your church with a table and a couple chairs and information, then that's your church's fault. They've, they're invited. We want to invite all the churches. If you are in the, live in the Layton area and you attend a Layton church, then have a table and chairs and come and be at Heart in the Park to represent your church there. It's open to anybody who wants to do that so long as they're uh, Christian. Okay, uh, we're going to Douglas and Murray. Douglas, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hello, Douglas. Doing good night. I'm doing well. You? Yep, I'm doing wonderful. You know, the most important thing is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I agree. In born again by the Spirit, he told Nicodemus. Yes. Then, after you become a born again Christian, you need to begin to look at some of the other doctrines, like the Trinity. Is it a triune God? God all in one? Or are they three individuals? Okay. And we also have to look at, are we children, spirit children that have been around a long time? Christians believe we did not exist until we were born in the womb of our mother and God breathed life into us. That's right. And the works that we have are important as evidence of our love for God and our willingness to work in the kingdom, not as a means to obtain eternal life. Well put. Grace alone. Well put. The death on the cross that cleansed us of our sins by the blood on the cross is what makes us a born-again Christian. And Amen. And those doctrines and others that the Mormons have, eventually, with the discernment that comes from the Spirit within us, is what's going to make it possible for us to shed some of the other false doctrines, the law of progression and and the belief in eternal polygamy and all those things. I agree with you, Doug. It's well put. Very well put, so, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate all the wonderful work you do and the fact that you're willing to take a stand and, and allow people to become born again by the back door, if you will, because they can become born again, and that spirit will make the difference Amen. in helping them to discern the truth. Amen, Doug. Thank you so much, my brother. Hey, you have a good night, Sean. Okay, you too. I'll see you. Bye now. Bye.
We're going to Valerie from West Valley on line one. Valerie, you're on Heart of Matter. Hi, this is Valerie. Hello, Valerie. Hi, my uh, comment is in Matthew 24 of the Bible, it says, <clears throat> and this is what Jesus himself said, I'm really leery of following anybody who calls themselves a prophet or anyone who says, I am Christ, and there are many. But Jesus said there would be many false prophets and many false uh, Christs, and he said that twice in Matthew 24, and he said not to follow them, not to go after them, and that they will deceive many signs and wonders. But um, the reason I'm calling is I think that uh, anybody who's LDS or not should really get in and, and start reading the Journal of Discourses from the beginning. That would turn them around a lot. Yeah, Journal of Discourses are good. It's a, that's good. That's a good reference. It's a lot of reading. Um, you can get a lot of it summarized by some of the other writers, but if you can go to the source, it's always better. Good, good call there, Valerie. It is. And the last thing I wanted to say is um, if you go to um, saintsalive.com and click on library and scroll down to the second from the bottom, you will be able to pull up the Journal of Anne, Brigham Young's 19th wife. Oh, that's a major eye opener. It can be printed out, or it's been published. She's the one who said that uh, that Brigham Young uh, was actually informed on Mountain Meadows, right? She adamantly he ordered that massacre. Yeah, yeah. And there's many other things in that journal, and people should read that journal. That journal should be out for the public. I'm going to talk to our uh, resident expert and, and and pioneer Sandra Tanner about that. I got to ask her about that because I've heard it. And I just it's don't on her website. It's the very last one at the bottom where you click on library. And it's on Sandra's. Hello. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, Valerie. I didn't do it. Uh, but we got the the uh, gist of your message. Okay, we're going to Bob in Boise. Bob, you are on Heart of the Matter. Ah, uh, hello, sir. Hello, Bob. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you, uh, gosh, I hope you're doing good. Yeah, I'm calling from Boise. You know, I'm a week late, and I got a question on the papyrus scroll last week's show. Yes. Uh, was there not some type of footnote or something in there from Joseph Smith that proved uh, undeniably that's the same scrolls that, you know, that uh, Joseph Smith uh, originally wrote in the uh, wrote about in the Pearl of Great Price? Was there not absolute proof? I realize the church uh, accepted it as authentic, but uh, was there not some kind of footnotes or something in the signature or whatever that proved uh, what what was the proof of it was uh, as from my understanding maybe there were some footnotes on on those papyri but what it was was those were pasted on some hard board and on the back of those they saw maps of kirtland oh. and uh things that had to do with the minutes of a meeting i believe and so that verified where they came from okay that's what i was wondering i thought i had heard something about that a long time ago yeah uh, so I hey. just wanted to know, you know, is it, did they ever try to deny it later on? Oh, that was, that was probably not the same ones. Or no, anything. they didn't deny that, but what they did say is, now they're saying is we don't have all of the papyri. Yeah, yeah. You know, even yeah. though the, the, the uh, facsimile was the one that's in the Pearl of Great Price that says that's what Joseph translated, they're now saying, but we don't have all the papyri. It's just a quagmire. I mean, where's honesty? You know, if you're, if you're, that's what I was wondering. I won't hold you up, and sir, you don't look like a musty clam to me. You really don't. Well, you're a nice guy, Bob. You're one of my favorites now. You remind me of the Toad King in the nursery tales when I was a kid. But hey, don't feel bad. I've been told I look like Gandhi. But anyway.
You shouldn't have said that, Bob, because I'm gonna have people call me the Toad King now. I know, I knew that was your intention. But I do look like Gandhi. But anyway, sir, I'd love to meet you one day. And uh, same to you, Bob. Thanks for the call. Yes, sir. Okay, God bless. Goodbye. Bye, bye. He looks like Gandhi, and I look like a Toad King. Uh, there's no fairness in this world. Brad, the agnostic, online too. Brad, how you doing, man? Hey, Sean. What's happening, Brad, the agnostic? Yeah, I, I was on with you uh, like 30 seconds last week, and I, I guessed my. Uh, because uh, why don't you knock the uh, Catholic Church or the Episcopalian Church or whatnot? I don't know them like I know Mormonism. Huh? I don't know them like I know Mormonism. Yeah, I, I, I understand that logic and that argument, but um, at the same time, okay, one of my questions to you is, why mm -hmm. is the, uh, the book of the Maccabees in the Roman Catholic Bible and the book of... And the book of Maccabees is not in the King James version of the Bible, or the Protestant version. And I don't understand. The book of the Maccabees is like a, a huge tale. Well, I'm not smoking dope, dude. I mean, <laughs> the Maccabees in, is in this. Hey, listen, uh, I know. I know what Maccabees was, the book of Judith, all the Apocrypha that the Catholic Church included in their Bible. That's fine. And there's some good valued stuff in some of those books. The problem is, is they don't consistently support the rest of the text. The fathers uh, did not refer to those books. The apostles did not refer to those books. And so there is just no need to include them in the Bible. I mean, if you find something in some of those uh, apocryphal books and it enlightens you and you feel the Spirit led you, it may be true. But a lot of them are just fairy tales. So they, they, you know, they, they did a pretty good comprehensive look at the books that should be included. And they looked at a number of criteria, which you can find in um, Evidence Demands a Verdict. You can see how they were kind of picked. And it will give you a, a whole bunch of information on how the Bible is put together that's faith-promoting and is legitimate. And Maccabees and, and uh, the Hammer of God and, and Judith and all those, they just, didn't, they just didn't fit in there. Well, could I ask you, could I elaborate? Yeah. Allie? Yeah. Um, but the book of the Maccabees is about this great conflict between the great Greek pagans you know, this great conflict between the Greek pagans, and so why not have that, you know, extra information, whatnot, include, it's a great uh, Jewish history, why not have that included? Well, the, the, the Bible is not a book that is supposed to be comprehensive. If you look at the first account of Gen in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the earth. I mean, it doesn't tell you how he did it. It doesn't give you the, 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 any of the math. It doesn't give you how it was done. It just says, in the beginning, God. It's not a comprehensive book that people should say, hey, you know, it's got to give us every single detail. There's, I mean, it would be thicker than this world if you included every bit of information that we should have in it. They, had to, they narrowed it down to the things that testify of Jesus and that told of him once he came. And, and the books that did that, they included in there. And there's a whole host of other criterion that they used. Maccabees just pardon. didn't fit. Yeah, so pardon the pun, there's no devil in the details. Your pun is pardoned. And uh, we're going to go. Well, we got to go, Jason. You've, you've taken up, and, and you're pressing your point. Brad. I answered it the best I could. And I, did, I did the best I could with it. That's the answer that a Christian would give you. That's, a, oh, that's, that's fine. I, 
but I'm not Jason. I'm Brad. But that's fine, Sean. Okay, Jason. Your beard is getting pretty thick and heavy. I like it. And you're pretty down to earth. I like you. Thanks, man. Good to talk to you, Jason. Brad, Brad, Brad. Brad, I can't keep up here. You take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. He's going to think I'm the one. Uh, okay, let's go to Jason on line three. Hello? Jason, you're on the air, brother. Oh, hey, this is Jason. How you doing? Jason Scott. Hey, um, you know what the Mormon religion sounds like they're trying to do? Remember the old Cold War? They sound like they're trying to be communists, you know, running around the XKGB. You know, that's what it sounds like. Like they're trying to be, you know, communists like the old Russian days and stuff like that. I yeah. think it's kind of funny. It's real funny. Yeah. And another thing is that I did. Now, I did this because I'm an LDS, an ex-LDS. I prayed three times really, really, really hard. I mean, with all my heart and all my soul. And I never got an answer if Joseph Smith was a true prophet or not. Really? And that I think that's I think that's funny, and it's just I never had the right feeling, ever ever since I was a little kid. It's since I was ten years old. Never ever had the feeling. Uh, wh- what about now? I got a recommend. It's called uh, Mormon Murderers. Oh yeah. It, you ever read that book? No, I've heard about it though. You should read the first one hundred pages. It's really 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 good and stuff. I'm trying to make it as fast as I can. One more thing I gotta say. Is it okay if I do this? There's somebody I'm looking for, and they're and they're in Arizona. Please let me say this because I've been looking. I prayed about this. I'm looking for an individual in Arizona, Flagstaff. Anybody that knows her, please tell her that Jason Scott is trying to contact her. Her name is Patricia Vasas. V A S A S. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> We're turning into a dating service, a lost love, lost love show. Uh, okay. Uh, where am I? Betty in West Jordan. Betty, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Woo, Betty. How's it going? Do you remember Jim and I, we came to the church on the west side and met you. We were from Worldwide Church of God. Jim and you, Betty. Uh, I'd have to know more. Anyway, we came to the church over on the west side here several months ago and met you. Well, and uh, But anyway, we watch your show every week. And uh, when you talk about Joseph Smith, the one I keep thinking of is Sean. Tell him. Uh, oh, there I'm on there now. First, First Timothy two five. First Timothy two. You want me to read that? Yes, I wish you'd tell him because they right. want to bring Joseph Smith into everything. First Timothy two five. We have a loose running show tonight. First Timothy two five. Here we go. I want to hear you answer it, so I'll turn me back on. Thank you. Bye. We're com- You're coming to Heart in the Park. Did you hear that? She's coming. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. That is 1 Timothy 2.5. And uh, I agree with that. It's a great scripture. Uh, thank you for sharing it. Okay, let's go to Brad and Sugar House. Brad, you're on Heart of the Matter. God bless you. How are you? I'm doing well, Brad. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really good. Good. Need it's a loose show tonight. I just kind of want to get your feedback. Uh, Ensign, uh, you know, it's a magazine the Mormon Church puts out. May 1977. I'm going to quote from this. The, you know, this is our prophet speaking here. He says, you know, it's true. You know, there's Christ followed by Mormons. There's not the Christ followed by Christianity. And again, he says, it's true many of the Christian churches worship a different Jesus. But now they got, uh, you know, you see commercials on TV all day long. Oh, you want to know more about Jesus? Uh, and they want to send you free information. 
Yeah, they, uh, they're doing that quite a bit. They're really making themselves look like a Christian outreach on all their commercials and sending the Bibles and messages about Jesus. Uh, and yet they continue to say things like that. And the other prophets before uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said some very strong things about how corrupt the Jesus is of the Bible. And I, I want you to know I've been LDS and I've been a Christian and I will take the Christian Jesus a million, trillion, billion times over the LDS concept of Jesus. And if you don't know the Christian Jesus, uh, you got to know him. Amen. Well, you know what troubles me the most, I think, yeah. is people don't know this. People do not have a clue that they, they worship a totally different Jesus, and they're not ashamed to know it, and then they want to lead people astray. Oh, you want to know more about Jesus? Uh, send for this free movie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was in the Mormon church. Um, I've been a born-again born Christian now for many years. God brought me out of that when I read uh, Joseph Smith claim he was greater than Jesus Christ. Yeah. And they're leading people astray, and it just troubles me that they would still promote themselves like the you want to know more about Jesus, send to this movie. Yeah, I know. I agree with you, Brad. It's a good comment, man. Thank God bless you. Thanks for the work here. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Listen, Latter-day Saints, are, are, if they're watching, and I've heard, I got emails that stake presidents are telling Latter-day Saints in the Salt Lake Valley not to watch the show in other parts of the state, but if you're watching, you may say, well, what is the difference between the Christian Jesus and the Mormon Jesus? And just really quickly, in a nutshell, the most important differences uh, categorically are Christians believe that Jesus paid completely, totally, finally, and endlessly for your salvation. That there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There is nothing you can say, no right, no standard of living, nothing will measure up where God will say, you've done, you've done it right, now you can come in. It's all through your faith in Him. That is the main difference. Other differences include Christians believe He was born of a virgin. I know many Mormons do too now, but the doctrine hasn't always supported that. Christians believe that Jesus is God. Mormons don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe he is a God and a plethora of gods, a complete universe of gods. Mormons at one time believed Jesus was married. Christians don't believe that Jesus was married. Mormons believe Jesus was resurrected. So do Christians. We have that commonality. Mormons believe that the atonement for sin happened in Gethsemane. Christians know from the Bible that all references are to the cross and that it happened on the cross. So those are some of the differences, but the most important one is you must be born again, and you must come to realize that you are a sinner, and it's only through Jesus that you can, again, or not that you can again, that you can live with God. Let's go to Callie in Layton on line three. Callie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, I just have a question for you. Yes. Um, when I was growing up, my mom was really, um, she was forced a lot. Um, she was LDS and she was forced to go to church a lot. So because of that, when she had us, we didn't really learn everything about religion. Uh-huh. Um, and so I have a question about how you feel about baptism, because we were never baptized. And, and I'm wondering what, I, you know, I'm really naive when it comes to religion. So I'm just wondering what, 
kind of views you have on that? Well, before you hang up, stay on the line and I want to send you our book, okay? Because it might help you understand some of those things, but let me answer your question, okay? Um, and I hope you'll come to Heart in the Park because we'd love to see you. Uh, my views on baptism are um, when you have accepted Jesus and he is your savior and you want him to be the Lord of your life, then the thing you would do is you would go forth and you'd make a public pronouncement of your faith in him and that is by being baptized. And that's the reason you're baptized so that you can show your faith that you are going to be buried with him and rise with him and that your sins uh, are been taken over by him. The baptism itself does not cleanse you of sin. The baptism itself is not necessary for salvation, but it is something that will help uh, you in your spiritual life and it will outwardly confirm Confirm to others that you have taken upon Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior. And that's why it's so beneficial. Okay. Does that help? It, it does. It does. You know, and, and I've been feeling, especially like the last three years, you know, really close to Jesus. And, you know, my mom just kind of taught me that when, you know, as we were growing up, just as long as we were really good people, you know, good at heart and everything like that, then, you know, necessarily, it wasn't necessary to have an organized religion. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to talk uh, either on emails or some other time about the good heart bit and just being a good person. Because uh, if that was good enough, then Jesus really didn't need to come. You could have made it back to God or you could have made it to God without, uh, by living kind of a good life. But Jesus came for a reason, and the reason was that we are sinners in our heart, we do things wrong, and the only way to reconcile ourselves to God is through Him, and that's why He is so important. And organized religions go a long way in helping you understand Him if they're doing a good job, and there should be some that, that can do a good job out there. Yeah. But email me, and please come to Heart in the Park. I'd love to meet you in person. Okay. All right, thanks okay. for calling. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, quickly, Squatter's Pub tonight. Heart in the Park, Sunday, July 8th, 3 p.m. to sunset. Uh, Lord's Word Church, July 15th, 9.15 to 10.15 at Gateway Theaters. And uh, we're going to try to take Tristan, line one. Tristan, you've got a minute. Okay, Sean, I'm just wondering what your background information is. You know, what you've studied, where you got, how you got to where you are right now? Mm. Uh, well... I got to where I am now by, I mean, it sounds like a very cliche thing to hear, but I'm here because the Lord really arranged this through some very unique things. But uh, I, I uh, attended BYU. I was all through the church in some uh, respectable positions and uh, taught early morning seminary, bishopric, high council, yada, yada. I've said that twice tonight, sorry. And uh, then I, when I asked to be excommunicated from the church, I then went to um, a full-time seminary for two years at Calvary Chapel in Southern California and studied there. So that is my, uh, ecu that is my ecclesiastical uh, training, if that's what you're I, looking for. Well, thank you. I, I enjoy your show. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling. Uh-huh. Okay, bye. All right. Well, it's been an interesting show, fast-paced, a little chaotic, but we love you. We hope that you'll take to heart the idea of a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have that, if you can't say, I have been born again, and you know that, take it to him tonight. Take it to him. You have that right to take it to him and say, help me. I want to know you on a personal basis. And I promise you, when you go to him, he is true to change in your life. We'll see you next week, week here on Heart of the Matter.